Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be forgiveness. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 18. In Matthew chapter 18, Beginning in the 21st verse, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So then his fellow servants saw what was done. They were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. In this passage, we find the importance of forgiveness. There are a lot of misconceptions today about forgiveness, even amongst Christians, but there shouldn't be. Forgiveness is central to our faith, so much so that it's the reason why we're all Christians today. It's important that we understand forgiveness because it's something that we've received from God, something that we need from others, and something that we need to give to others. Peter in verse 21 and Jesus in verse 35 both use the same word for forgive. This word in Greek occurs 146 times in the New Testament. It translates as many different things, not always as forgiveness. It's mainly translated as forgiveness in the Gospels. It's one of only two Greek words that are translated as forgiveness in the New Testament. It's defined as a verb, meaning to send away, to leave alone, to permit, let go, release, permit to depart, remit, forgive, or suffer. The concordance goes on to say that it means to send away, 
to release or discharge. This reveals to us the first components that we need to understand forgiveness. Since it's a verb, we know that it's an action. It can't just be done in thought or words. It must be done in action. Verse 35 said, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Not only does our forgiveness have to be in action, it must also be from our heart. This means that our forgiveness can't be superficial. Otherwise, it's not really forgiveness. It must be genuine. We have to mean what we say. We may be able to fool others with false forgiveness, but we'll never fool God. And in his eyes, which are the only eyes that matter, it's not forgiveness at all. It's just a lie. The time comes for us to forgive someone when they've wronged us. It's not even an option for us to not forgive them. We must. We are commanded to do so, whether we like it or not. This aspect of forgiveness, especially due to the usage of this Greek word, is heavily focused on debt. This is clear in the parable that Jesus told Peter. The king forgave his servant the debt that he owed, but the servant wouldn't forgive his fellow servant his debt. Debt was central to the parable. We also find this in other scriptures with the same word, translated as forgive. Matthew 6 and 12 says, And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Ephesians 1 and 7 tells us, In whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The word used for forgiveness here is the same word that we saw earlier, but used as a noun, meaning that it doesn't have to do with the action as much as it has to do with the concept that's behind the action. It means dismissal, release, pardon, ascending away, a letting go, complete forgiveness. The concordance goes on further to say that it means something sent away, remission, releasing someone from obligation or debt. We see here that this reveals to us even more clearly the relationship between this aspect of forgiveness and debt. Romans 13 and 8 tells us, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. As we studied a few weeks ago, the only debt that we owe to our fellow men is the debt of actions of agape love, and our fellow men owe the same debt to us. When others don't pay their debt to us, we need to forgive them. We need to suffer the loss, let go of the offense, and release them from that debt. They need to do the same for us when we fail to pay our debt to them. Since sin is missing the mark of doing God's will and God is love, any time that we fail to act out of a place of agape love, it's sin. Because not only is it an omission of something that we're called to do, it also reveals the wrong motive. Since God is love, whatever is not done out of love is not in accordance with the will of God. And when we sin, we need forgiveness. Two weeks ago, we studied mercy, and this aspect of forgiveness closely parallels mercy. In fact, it's the demonstration of mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. When a debt isn't paid, the rightful penalty is for the person to be forced to pay in full. When we forgive someone who's failed to pay their debt of agape love to us, they don't deserve that from us, but we're commanded to do it anyway because this is how we actively demonstrate mercy to those around us. The same way that God showed us mercy in forgiving our sins against Him, we need to be ready and willing to show that same mercy to others. We also need others to do the same for us 
when we fail to love them with actions of agape love. We need them to overlook our wrongs and release us from our debt. We saw a great example of this in the parable that we looked at earlier. The king, even though he had suffered loss, forgave the servant who had failed to pay the debt that he owed. He overlooked the wrong that was done to him and released the servant from his debt. Verse 27 said, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But even though this servant was shown mercy from the king, he wasn't willing to show mercy to his fellow servant. He was hard on him. He refused to show him compassion, casting him into prison, forcing him to pay his debt in its entirety. Many Christians make this same mistake today. They've been forgiven. They've been shown mercy by the people that they've wronged. But then when they've been wronged themselves, they don't want to forgive. This unwillingness is rooted in self-centeredness and in pride. They think it shouldn't be forgiven because the wrongdoing was done against them. They're the ones who suffered the loss. It caused them something. Everything is centered around them. So to them, it seems unforgivable. But this just reveals that they're not giving any thought for the other person involved. They're only worried about their own feelings and the effect that it had on their life. But as Christians, we have to look beyond ourselves. This unwillingness to forgive after they themselves have been forgiven is a direct violation of what we all call the golden rule. Matthew 7 and 12 tells us, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We can't allow ourselves to fall into this trap. We need to be ready and willing to forgive and to show mercy to those who have wronged us. But true forgiveness goes beyond just showing mercy. That's only part of the story. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in the 26th verse, it says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let them labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In this chapter, we find forgiveness mentioned in the last verse. Verse 32 says, And be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word here used for forgiveness is a different word than the one that we looked at earlier. This word in Greek is derived from the word for grace. It means to show favor, to give freely, to show kindness. The concordance goes on to say that it means to extend favor and grace, to freely give favor, to grant forgiveness and pardon. It's favor that cancels. It's used of God giving his grace to pardon. This is freely done and therefore not based on any merit of the one receiving the forgiveness. This reveals the other part of forgiveness. We need both of these aspects of it in order for it to be complete. The first part was when we show someone mercy, not giving them what they deserve. But then after we've done that, we need to show them grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We need to go beyond with that person that has wronged us. 
Since they failed to act in agape love to us, we then need to agape love them. We should give them the very thing that they didn't give us. We also studied two weeks ago how grace is unmerited. It's not deserved and not based on outward performance or actions. It can't be earned. Forgiveness works the same way. It's something that we need to freely give. We can't refuse to forgive someone because of who they are or what they've done. That's not how it works. Forgiveness, like love, is meant to be blind because forgiveness is a demonstration of love. Two weeks ago, we also saw how grace is the vehicle that God uses to transfer what is within Him through us to those around us. And forgiveness is a good example of this. God has loved us with agape love. He's forgiven us, and then He uses the grace that He's given us to prepare us and make us ready to forgive and agape love those who have wronged us, no matter who they are or how much wrong that they've done. We can't go against the Word of God and make our own set of conditions for who, when, where, and why we'll forgive someone. Then we're acting out of our own carnal nature instead of staying submitted to the will of God. Far too many Christians do this today. They say that they'll only forgive someone if he does this or that to make up for it or that they'll only forgive someone if he apologizes, or that they would have loved to forgive someone if only they hadn't went as far as they had gone, or if only they hadn't done what they did. This sounds nice, it sounds plausible, and it even sounds reasonable to the natural mind. But when dealing with forgiveness, we're not dealing with something that's natural. We're dealing with something that's supernatural. These are only excuses, and we know that an excuse is a lie. These people are lying to themselves and others. They're looking for any conceivable way to justify their unwillingness to forgive. They're trying to talk their way out of following the command of God. But this doesn't work, and it'll never work, because the law is the law, and it doesn't change whether we like it or not. We are commanded to forgive, and that doesn't come with an asterisk listing certain conditions necessary. It's unconditional. We're commanded to forgive no matter what, whether there was an apology or not, whether there was restitution or not. And no matter what the wrongdoing actually was or who the person is who did it. Sometimes forgiveness is hard for us to do. And many times it's painful. In this fallen world, people can be cruel. And there's times that people can do things that have a deep impact on us that isn't easily removed. Hurt and pain are real. And we have to understand that many times forgiveness comes out of a great internal struggle between the flesh, which doesn't want to forgive at all, and the spirit which urges us to forgive even our worst enemies. When people are experiencing this hurt, it's natural to see forgiveness as the opposite of what should be done. But it's actually the exact thing that frees us from the pain. When we forgive, there's a letting go. There's a release. The pain, the hurt, and the grudge that we've held onto so tightly suddenly becomes loose. God takes it from us, and then it's not there anymore. As long as we hold on to these things, they grow and they fester and become what they were never meant to be. But when we let go, we allow the Lord to take that pain and hurt upon himself in our place. Forgiveness is our key to liberty. We can't forsake the provision that God has given us to become free. When we forgive, God gives us peace in place of the hurt and the pain. Forgiveness puts us on the path to peace because it's the vehicle that God uses to birth peace within us, but we'll never have it without first being willing to forgive. When we're experiencing pain, 
We know that when we allow him to bear what we can't bear in the natural or what we can't bear on our own, that he will bring healing into our life. He will restore us. And in the end, we will be even better off because of it. God is able to turn what was meant for evil against us into something good. Romans 8 and 28 tells us, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. This means that all the offenses, all the insults, and all the hardships that people put us through aren't going to end in themselves. God is going to use even these things for our good. There is a saying nowadays that tells people to forgive but not forget. This sounds nice. It may even sound like the right way to go about this, but it's not. The Word of God doesn't tell us this. It tells us that true forgiveness is not only looking past something, but also treating it like it never happened. This is how God forgave us. He didn't just look past what we did against Him. He treats our sins like they never occurred. Isaiah 43 and 25 says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Hebrews 8 and 12 tells us, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And Micah 7 and 19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. These verses, and many others just like them, make it abundantly clear that when God forgave us, He didn't forgive but not forget. He forgave and forgot what happened on purpose, because otherwise it wouldn't have truly been forgiveness. If we forgive someone but don't forget, then that knowledge that we have of that offense will always be front and center in our minds when we're with that person, and it'll influence how we interact with them and how we talk to them. We won't be truly free. And the devil will use the times when we're with them as open doors for which he can then bring up our past and remind us of all the hurt and the pain that we already exchanged for peace, trying to get us to move backwards instead of forwards. When we make a true effort to treat offenses against us like they never happened, the devil's attempts to bring the hurt back won't work because the offense no longer exists and subsequently the hurt ceases to exist also. On a practical level, this is hard. It's not an easy task at all, but it is possible. And through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, God enables us to be able to forgive and forget. We need to give those who have wronged us a brand new start, a clean slate, just like the Lord did in our life. This forgetfulness on purpose is how we demonstrate grace to the offender. It's a demonstration of God's agape love. It's something that they don't deserve from us, but something that we do anyway, in the same way that we don't deserve to have eternal life or have God as a part of our life, but he gives us these things anyway. When people know that they've wronged us, they may not know how badly their offense has hurt us or affected us, but when they see that we treat what was done like it never happened, it affects them deeply. It's something that they have trouble understanding because it's so contrary to human nature. This is a great testament to the love and the goodness of our God. The time may come where they ask us why we were able to forgive in that way. They'll ask us where we found the strength to do so, and we'll be able to seize that opportunity to tell them about the Lord. In order to understand something best, we need to be shown it. And when we show people mercy and grace through forgiving them, 
They'll start to be able to understand the mercy and the grace of God. They'll start to understand his agape love because now they've experienced it firsthand. This is the power of our forgiveness. This is why it's such a powerful tool that we have to utilize. Colossians 3 and 13 in the English Standard Version says, Bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's important that we follow the example that the Lord has given us. If we've been forgiven of much, we need to love much. And that love calls for us to forgive those around us in the same way that we were forgiven. We need to make the choice today to follow the command of God, to look beyond what we can see and feel in the natural, open up our hearts, and see that these people who have wronged us are subjected to the same fallen world as we are, and then forgive them by showing them mercy and grace. Psalm 103 verses 10 to 14 tell us, He have not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you today for your forgiveness. We thank you that you didn't just look past all the wrong that we've done to you, but that you treat these things like they never happened, that you've cast them into the sea of forgetfulness so that those offenses no longer exist. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace, that you didn't give us what we deserve, and that you even go beyond that and give us what we don't deserve, so that now we can be with you in your kingdom and we can have you as a part of our lives. And Lord, we thank you for your agape love that you demonstrated in action when you sent your son to die on our behalf, to live the life that we couldn't live and pay the price that we couldn't pay. And Lord, we thank you that through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, continually working in our hearts and in our minds, that we'll have the strength and the courage and the character to forgive those who have wronged us so that we can open up our hearts and treat those offenses and those insults and all those wrongs like they never occurred. And Lord, allow this to be the thing that opens up the eyes of those around us and shows your agape love and shows your mercy and grace to those who have not yet come to you. And Lord, we thank you that this forgiveness is something that we will enjoy forever, for all of eternity. And we thank you that you are continually showing agape love to us forever. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to forgive and be forgiven and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review 
from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's word together.